This is the SPFL 42 show covering every division in Scotland. To say that I'm joined by Nicola Hardy, who is goalkeeping coach at Rangers with their women's team and also working with the, the Scottish women's national team um, at the youth development ranks um, with the, the up and coming female players in the country. First of all, Nicola, thanks for joining me. Not a problem, Callum. Nice to be on. The, the first question I've got for you is when did your passion for football start? Because the, the women's game's seen a real um, momentum shift in recent years, but I imagine your interest has started long before that ever happened. Yeah, um, you know, I never actually took to football too young. Um, I was always kind of involved with tennis and other sports. Um, just where I grew up, it was a big street of boys, um, and I kind of got pulled into it that way. Uh, so I think I joined my first football team about 10 or 11, which was... Um, through Cumbernauld at the time um, and I had to play a few years kind of senior up from that started playing with the school team with the boys and then it kind of led on from there really. See when you were playing alongside boys at that age what was it like for you because I've spoken to a few others and the reaction's been mixed some said they were really accepted and others said look, look I was last pick all the time until they trusted me to, to know that I could play. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a blend. Um, I was quite lucky that it was all the boys that I was friendly with at school working in the same team. Uh, so they kind of put their arm around me a wee bit until I found my feet. Um, and then I just became one of the boys. I was just a, a football player. Um, and once you start banging in the goals or you start keeping them out of the net, then those perceptions start to change a wee bit. In, in terms of the goalkeeping side, what interested you about goalkeeping? Um, do you know, I remember we went to a five-a-side tournament and it was at Glasgow Green and the goalkeeper that day just couldn't turn up or for whatever reason wasn't there. So I decided, ah, yeah, I'll just fling on the gloves. And from that point, I think I kind of cemented my, my team, um, my place in the team as the goalkeeper. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't a kind of interest that I'd always thought about. Um, I kind of just fell into it naturally and then started enjoying it and getting a wee bit more specific training. And in terms of the training as you were growing up, what was that kind of training like? Because, as I say, the, the women's football in Scotland has, has been an interesting one when you look back. It's been well represented in certain areas, but not so well represented in others as well. I think um, it definitely didn't look like football training now would look to girls. Um, it's a lot more professional now. It's a lot better organised. My goalkeeping training at the time kind of consisted of someone pinging a ball at me or you know, shots at the end of training um, and then it started to get gradually better. I moved to Celtic when I was 13, 14 um, and their set up at the time it allowed me to train specifically two or three times a week so I started to develop skills there and then I, my path kind of took me into the national team set up and regional football and I had you know more goalkeeping specific uh, training offered to me there. And, and as you got older and, and you developed as a footballer just just describe that sort of journey because I always think the goalkeepers that's it's a unique position because in a sense it can be a lonely position in the sense that obviously you're training with a couple other goalkeepers but nobody else on the field really understands that role like you do. Whereas if you're a, if you're playing in a back four, you've got another three or four girls who can understand what you're going through. But as a goalkeeper, I imagine that's completely different. Yeah, I think you had to have an understanding of what it meant to be an outfield player and also what it meant to be a goalkeeper. You needed to have that understanding so you felt 
what the players on the pitch were having to do, the decisions they were having to make. Um, but ultimately, you're training as a football player, um, and then you're specialising in goalkeeping. So you had to develop both uh, both skills. Um, it's even more so important now to be able to play with your feet uh, than just be able to catch the ball. Um, so yeah, I, I was quite lucky that I managed to get quite a lot of goalkeeping-specific training, but also felt um, you know, my coaches at the time kept me really included and helped that education of, you know, outfield and in goals. And in terms of yourself, when did you first consider that you wanted to become a coach? I kind of fell into it. Uh, I, start, I stopped playing quite young and I'd taken up a place at City of Glasgow College and they were having a kind of volunteer fair. And one of my coaches at the time, Gary Doctor, uh, came across me there and guided me into, it was a programme the, the council were running for uh, for coaches to get kind of into it, to get a wee bit of experience. So I volunteered there for a couple of years um, and then I went to Hamilton Ackies where Gary was as well. Uh, shadowed the coach there, the goalkeeping coach, Lindsay Hamilton. Uh, worked, within him, uh, worked with him at regionals as well. And it kind of just went on from there. Went on to study at university um, and a kind of coaching, coaching um, degree there. And Probably, you know, mid midway through my degree, I thought, you know, this is definitely a path that I can pursue and um, make a career out of it. And in terms of the university side of it, what were the, the real challenges um, as you were going through that? Because a lot of people just assume, like, if you want to be a coach, you can just be a coach, but that couldn't be further from the truth. No, I think I, I was still volunteering at the time, trying to hold down a job, um, and I, I travelled to Stirling Uni. Um, I live in Glasgow, so I commuted every day, trying to find time to you know really work in your coaching, especially if it's late nights and then you've got your studies as well. Um, I, I felt that most evenings I was out of the house, um, and it, it was just a challenge to really take the time to learn um, academically, uh, you know, trying to study, trying to get your grades there, and then also put in time to, you know, observe people, watch, get things wrong, go on courses. It was quite time-consuming, um, but it was a process that's became really rewarding now. And, and when you finish your studies, when, you, when you're at that stage, you get some experience of coaching. You were at BSC Glasgow for a while coaching. What was yeah. that experience like, and how did you get into that? Um, yeah, I was with BSC for three seasons. Um, I think I was 21 when I started there. I was still at uni. And it was Ian King that had got in touch with me um, at the time to get involved with the men's side. And it was a challenge that I thought I probably won't get in the near future. Um, being like a young female coach, going into a male environment, a male competitive environment, um, I, I felt like I couldn't turn the opportunity down. And to be honest, I learned a lot about football. Uh, I learned a lot about how you communicate with players. Um, you know, having to have that confidence in that environment. Um, but it was a very supportive club and, you know, backed my development as a coach. And in terms of working with male players, what was that like when you were giving them advice and pointers? Were, were they happy to take those on board straight away or was there that unhidden stigma at times there where, again, it's unfair how this happens, where, in a sense, you had to prove yourself to them rather than the other way about? I think when I went into the role, I did think I would have to kind of prove myself a wee bit. Um, but the group of guys that we had there were they were excellent, to be honest. Um, you know, we managed to have discussions about things that they took on. You know, I might have a different perspective to maybe what they had uh, with their kind of experiences coming through as youth players and now trying to get into adult football. But I think we managed to kind of strike a balance quite quite early on, and you know. 
they understood that whatever advice or it was coming from a good place and um, that I did have the experience at that time to kind of back up and put reasoning behind decisions. And in terms of being involved there for the three seasons that you mentioned, in terms of developing as a coach, it's similar to being a player, I guess, in the sense that the more experience you get, the better you get. Is that what you found as well? I think it was just having the kind of balance of I was working in women's football. I was helping the Stirling University women's team at the time. And I was also involved with the men's side of things. So I got two different experiences at the same time. And luckily enough, I could kind of transfer those skills over. Um, there are different environments. There's different ways of going around things and, um, you know, facilities and some of the things that are available to you are completely different. Um, so I think I was quite lucky the fact that I could merge both those experiences in at the same time and still, you know, I had quite a lot of mentors at the time. I'm really thankful that took the time to, to guide me through that. And, and, and again, after those three seasons, what interests me about you in particular is the fact that you've got a passion for football out with the, the, just that goalkeeping coaching side that you were in. You were also a development officer for football as well in your local area. How did that come about? And just describe the reasoning behind taking that role on, because it's a role that's not for everybody. No, um, I kind of stumbled across it a little bit. I'd been doing a wee bit of research for the university and um, looking into coach education. And at the time, Amy McDonald had got involved at Giffnock and was kind of looking for somebody to come in and help and develop the girls and women's side of the game and the community pathway. So I'd, I'd met the club and had a few discussions over it, um, whether it would kind of suit me, because it wasn't something that I'd, I'd thought that I would maybe go into straight out of university, thought about, you know, trying different roles. Um, so I was there for, again, three years. And what, it just really interested me in seeing the development of the game. Um, Tina Stewart, who works as the West Women's Regional Development Officer, she the work that she's done has been fantastic and I thought you know this gives me an opportunity to really grow the game um, within a club and thankfully you know when recently I think we're up to about 200 girls uh, which is just fantastic from from a club that maybe had you know late 90s uh, early hundreds when I started um, but it just allowed me to create a different platform for those girls to go and play in um, and educate them further. And in terms of that education side of it, and in terms of the interest, how impressed have you been with the, the, with the uptake and, and, and interest in, in, in women's football? Because I work in education, and, and I can safely say the interest from girls that I've taught has been unbelievable, especially in light of the national team doing so well. I mean, girls saying, look, we, we want to play football, we want a, a school team, we want, they, they are saying they want these things put in place, which is refreshing because I know in the past when schools have worked and have tried to put them in place, there wasn't any interest really whatsoever other than one or two, whereas now you've got 12, 13, 14 girls saying, no, 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 I want to be part of this team, I want to do something. Yeah, I think the girls can now see a path that's maybe not been there previously. Um, you know, they if they want, they can go become a professional footballer and luckily enough now, they can do that domestically. Uh, there's clubs that are, you know, putting professional pathways in place. So, you know, if they have the ambition to go be a professional footballer, they can do it within Scotland. You can go down south. You can go abroad. And I think the World Cup's really brought that to light for a lot of young girls that, you know, it's not just a boys' game. Um, the, the girls could follow the exact same path as their male counterpart now, uh, and it's fantastic. You know, the infrastructure's developing. It's getting stronger and stronger. 
Um, Scottish women's football is getting a lot better and I think it's, it's a really exciting time if you're a young football player uh, to get involved in the game just now. And in terms of club, the club side of things, being involved at Rangers, what's that been like? And the crucial question I've got for you, apologise in advance for putting you on the spot, what's the integration been like with the club? Because you get some high-profile clubs out with Scotland um, who haven't fully integrated their, their women's team in with the, the facilities that the, the men have access to. What's that like at Rangers? I think Rangers, have, they're maybe quite unique in the fact they're fully integrated. Um, it is one club. There's no, you're not a male or you're not a female football player. You are a Rangers football player, and I think that's really, really refreshing. Um, the resources and some of the education that I've managed to, you know, experience in the past kind of three, four months since going full time there has been excellent. The whole coaching staff is so inclusive. Everyone's looking to bounce off each other. We get access to the same facilities, the same medical care. Everything is a mirror image and what a male football player would be offered. And I, I do find that really, really refreshing that the club's kind of taking a lead on that and, you know, providing some real, real opportunities for these girls to play. And in terms of that integration, for me, that's crucial. Um, my, in my personal opinion, I'm quite passionate about this. I think every single senior club, whether you're Celtic, whether you're Rangers, whether you're Motherwell, Hearts, Hibs, even down south, Man United, Liverpool, etc., for me, if you want to have a female team, I think you, there should be a rule that says you have to fully integrate it or you can't because, as you've just described with Rangers, that can only benefit the girls and the women coming through. If you're an equal party, if you've got access to the same facilities, if you're treated on a par with a male team, that's going to help your development. And for me, full credit to Rangers for that. And, and I imagine for you as well, that must make your working environment 10 times easier in the sense that, you're not out the way heading to the side. You've got full access to the facilities, full access to information. And for me, that, as I say, that can only be refreshing and help our national team long term as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's so refreshing the fact that there's such a massive support network. Um, it goes past just the women's first team coaches. Uh, there's a, a full medical department behind that. There's a full coach education you know, structure behind that. There, there's so many opportunities to develop. Uh, and luckily enough, that's not just in a footballing capacity. You know, the players can develop in a coaching sense. And I think what's, what's really exciting is Rangers are focused on the player. Um, you know, they, they want the players to succeed. They want to give them opportunity. And a role, you know, as a coach there is to, to try and help those girls along the way. And the, the next question I've got, and, and I'm going to be very, I do not mean this to come across in a patronising way, so feel free to correct me if it does come across in the wrong way. In the time you've been involved in the women's game, ha, have you seen the standard rise considerably? Because the national team's obviously getting more exposure now, as it should. Uh, the, the team's been very successful on the park um, at the World Cup, getting to the World Cup, getting to the Euros. Has the standard gradually got better year on year or has the standard always been there but it's just not at the same coverage? I think, you know, within the league there there has been a big development in the professionalism of it. You've got, you know, more than one club now that are really striving um, to create better and stronger environments that will be there for a considerable amount of time. They're, they're not going away anywhere. I think that in the past kind of few seasons, the amount of investment that's put there can only be a good thing um, because it gives the players the time to really develop, whereas that time's not maybe been there before. 
it's not you know training in the evening only you know there's nutritional support there there's video analysis support there's there's so many things that have went on the background that's helped the professionalism of the game um so for for that reason you know it, it's getting stronger and it can only get stronger as time goes by and in and in terms of your involvement in the national team as well been working with the sort of underage groups too see because the game is more accessible now and as i say from my point of view in education there's more there is more enthusiasm for young girls now in the sense that the stigma that was once there of and i said this i've been honest and open about this to, to christy murray when I interviewed her when i was in school primary school i left in 2007 there was still an attitude of if you were a girl who wanted to play football you'd be looked at as if that's quite strange why you want to play football with us whereas now when i in the school i teach in completely different that boys and girls mix at break times and that's just normal that's just the way it is now and for me that's utterly refreshing because I look back and I know I think a lot of males should look back on the last sort of 10-15 years and think that attitude was completely wrong and I'm glad it's changing I imagine that's a big help at the underage groups with the national team the fact that when these girls come in that football to them is, is a norm it's not something that's out of the ordinary to be involved in they've been playing it for years by the time they get to you whereas in the past that might not have been the case yeah i think most of the schools that you know the girls attend that are definitely coming through the system you know their teachers or p departments have got a, a real appreciation of how much time that these girls are putting into their own development um not all schools can you know provide that platform whether it be their school team or you know traveling to play different games but their schools do that they're all on board to to make it as accessible and easy for the player to develop you know they do spend a wee bit of time away from home they go to training camps sometimes if they're lucky enough they get to play different countries abroad um and those relationships with you know staff player um and coaches it, it just creates a supportive environment for these girls and by the time by the time they've got into the national team they've, they've got some real experiences behind them um you know the clubs that they're playing at are also putting that in place from a, from a young age group that they're training more there's more support there so by the time they get to the national team there's a good ground for them and, and i think as, as you've rightly said there once that ground is in place it can only let the, ta the, the talent we've got flourish you look at erin cuthbert um and the, the senior national team immensely talented someone who can go to the very top um, of the female game um, obviously down south now, doing well, as, as she has been with the national team. And, and, and when that pathway and those opportunities being there and having coaches like yourself who aren't just in place because they feel as if you need to be because you've earned it. I mean, you, you spoke about earlier, you've worked with BSC, you've worked in a male environment, you've, you've worked in a development environment, you're working with one of the, the biggest clubs in Scotland. Again, these things can only benefit long term. And the question I've got for you is, on your journey, in the future are you hoping to to continue to strive to improve yourself in the point that you want to work with a senior national team you want to work at the highest level possible because from the way you've been speaking so far for me you just come across as a very ambitious person who loves football which is is, is absolutely refreshing and great to see i think yeah i think the main thing for me is what i've always been you know really keen to get involved is, is is the development of football um so for me as long as I, I want to keep developing as a coach and i want to develop off the pitch and create new skills and develop new skills but ultimately for for me 
I want to see the game get better in Scotland. I want to give or help players, you know, really, really catch on to their dream um, to help project them onto a new level, to help them go play, you know, in different countries, to help, the, you know, the next Edin Cuthbert come through the system and, and get a real opportunity that's maybe not ever been there before. Um, it's a completely new environment, women's football in this country. So as long as I can contribute to that and help these girls come through, you know, my drive's always going to be there to continue that. And the last question I've got for you, quite broad, but I think you're well placed to answer it. What advice would you give to any young girls listening to this or what I said to a few others? They might not necessarily listen to this, but you'll get a lot of men listening to this probably, eh, some, some females as well, who maybe have got kids who are young girls and, and maybe... It's, it, it, women's football can be seen as a real opportunity now, whereas years ago the stereotypical elements, dancing, ice skating, these acting, these sort of things were the sort of things that were pushed a lot, whereas now, with the success of the national team, the family-friendly nature of it, I think there's a real opportunity for for football to become a sport that parents can feel comfortable to encourage their children to go into, especially young girls at a young age. Yeah, of course. Um you know, we've got girls like Giffnock and at Rangers that football's their life. You know, academics come completely second to the drive and the love that they have for football. And I think it's, you know, how, how do you capture that that love for the game and continue to let it flip, uh, continue to let it flourish? I think having that balance if you are wanting to be, you know, if you've got the ambition to go professional is you, you do need to you know be really man manage your time properly. You need to focus on your academics. You need to you need to eat well, you need to sleep well, you need to do all the small percentages right. Um, but then again, if, if you're wanting to play recreationally, it's it's having that love for the game and not letting it go. Um, barriers will be put in your place and it's, it's how do you overcome them? Um, how do you become that wee bit more resilient um, to just jump in two feet and really just flourish in, in that environment? Absolutely. And, and as I say, it's been a pleasure speaking to you because I think I, I'm, what, something I've been striving to do with CFB is interview more women within football. And, and I'm very clear that I do not want it to be a tokenistic thing of getting a few people on. Um, I, I've had Laura Montgomery on, yourself, Christy Murray, and I want to get as many female footballers on and, and interact with the clubs as much as I can because I think there needs to be more coverage. I think there needs to be an understanding that the only way this is going to continue to grow is if we properly invest in it. And as I say, I think if you're a, if you're a football club with a, a female team, you need to, where possible, fully integrate for the betterment of the players and to ensure that the game can develop. And as I say, thank you for joining me. And any any help that CFB can can give the the Rangers female team, the youth team at um, Scotland as well, do not hesitate to let me know. And whether it's an article or an interview or whatever it may be, I'll do everything I can to help because it's it's incredible work that I'm seeing firsthand in education. The amount of young girls who see football as a viable opportunity now is refreshing and long may it continue. Yeah, it's, it's just such an exciting time for women's football at the moment. So the more coverage, the more people that are getting engaged um, and really appreciate what's going on in the country, um, the better. Absolutely. So thank you for joining me. Thank you.